0: Ladies, ladies, ladies! Welcome back to Generation XYZ, the faith-based platform where less is more, less religion and more relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I am your minister, Minister D, your host and under-shepherd of God's Own Divine Design, where we celebrate the fact that we as women are uniquely fashioned in God's image, and created to cultivate, inspire, and bear much fruit. Amen? hallelujah he'll never lose a battle for you today we're going to be discussing how we as women can yield much fruit in the earth even when we're under the submission of our husbands hallelujah let us pray dear god we enter into your presence with thanksgiving and unto your courts with praise. Thank you that when we don't know what to do, what's true or which way we should go, all we have to do is ask you for that wisdom. Thank you, Lord God, for answering us freely and expediently. Today we ask that you forgive us of our shortcomings, fill us afresh with your spirit, saturate us in your blood, And give us new revelation as we look into the word of God to see what it has to say about us being wives and submitting. Hallelujah. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Now, if you have your Bibles, and you should have your Bible, if you have your Bibles right now, go ahead and lift it up high. It's time for us to do our Bible decree. Repeat after me, this is my Bible, the word that God has made for me. I can have what it says I can have, and I can do all that it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the word of God and what it means to be a wife who is submitted, not unto another being, but unto you, God, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, amen. Today we're gonna be talking about one word, submission. The word submission simply means this, the acceptance or yielding to the will or authority of another person. We're gonna be talking about the passage Proverbs 18 and 22 where it talks about he who finds a wife has found favor, has, a, has found a good thing and has favor with the Lord. Now notice that it doesn't talk about finding the love of your life. It doesn't say he who found a good woman. It doesn't even say he who found a boo thing that he's uh, affectionate toward or even attracted to, it says he who finds a wife. So today I wanna put those two words together, submission and a wife, because that's where they come into play. A wife and a husband and a marriage and a consecrated relationship, uh, that's where submission comes in. I'm not talking about the man you've been going with 10 years. I'm not talking about submitting to him. I'm talking about submitting to your husband and being an actual wife. Amen. Alexa, pause music. It's time to get down to business now. The submission that bears much fruit. I want to talk about a very prominent woman in the word of God for just a few moments today. And her name is Sarah. As you all may know, Sarah began as Sarai. The word Sarai meaning princess. She was a little princess. She was very fair. She was extremely beautiful, but she had a blemish. According to biblical times, she was also barren. (laughs) Let's get into it. When God changed Abram's name to Abraham, Abram meaning father to Abraham meaning father of many, uh, he also changed his wife's name. He changed her name from the little princess, Sarai, fair in features and beautiful to look at, to Sarah, queen. (laughs) I don't know about you, but when I hear the word queen, I think of leadership. Hallelujah. I think of her as a co-laborer with her husband. Amen. Now, if you don't want to be married, if you've never been married and have no desire to be married, if you've been married, tried it, didn't like it, if you did it more than once and say that you'll never do it again, this message is really not for you. It's not for you. But if you've been in waiting, if you're waiting on God to send you a husband, or if you're married right now, then you might just get something from tonight's talk. And I say talk because I'm really not planning to preach, but I want to share uh, an insight from the perspective of fruitfulness in marriage. You see, being fruitful and multiplying is not just about having a big family. It can mean that, but not all the time. In this instance, I want to talk about bearing much fruit in subjection under your husband, in, but in subjection to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you what I'm talking about in just a moment because we're going to reference a very important passage that I'm just going to walk through for a few minutes. But I want to give you a little backstory. I know that most of you uh, probably recognize Sarah and Abraham in the book of Genesis where uh, God came upon Sarah when she was an older woman. She had already been through the change of life and she uh, was still barren. She wanted to have a child, but it had never happened. She was in her seventies and God actually, uh, sent an angel to tell Abraham that he would be a father and Sarah overhearing the conversation laughed and the Lord himself asked her, what are you laughing at? And she said, Oh, nothing. She denied it. He said, yeah, I know you laugh, but you are going to have a child. It didn't happen overnight. In fact, it took 20 some years, but she did, in fact, have their son, Abraham. Amen. God (laughs) is never slack on his promises. I don't care how long it tarries, you wait on that thing because it will come to pass. Amen. So in the meantime, in between time, Sarah thought that she would help God. Everybody knows this story that knows even a little bit about the Bible. But in case you don't know the backstory, long story short of it, Sarah decided one day that they had waited long enough and that she had a great idea. So she pitched it to her husband, Abraham, and he went for it. She said, hey, listen, my hand handmaid, my servant, uh, Haggai, you own her. So what a splendid idea I have. What about this? What if I send her into your tent for you to sleep with her and she becomes pregnant? By default, that baby is actually your baby and my baby. So why don't we do that? Because it's not looking very good on the end of us actually having a child. So if we do that, by default, this is going to be our child. Well, Abraham, being the head of the home being the priest of the house he didn't buck against his wife he allowed that influence what to saturate and not only did he allow it to saturate he didn't just think about it he went right in he agreed with her he laid with the handmaid she became pregnant and a son was born Ishmael well Ishmael (laughs) lived for years right there with his daddy and some kind of rift went on between the wife and the baby mama i don't know if the baby mama started it or the wife or who was antagonizing who or how that all went down i can't remember right now but the fact of the matter was sarah got tired of it and she went to her husband and said get rid of her get rid of her and get rid of him well of course by this time They've got their own baby, Isaac, okay? And so, now all of a sudden, a hmm, couple, three years later, I don't need you no more. I don't need the meds. So, put her away. And so, at that time, it was at that time, and see, that was the problem with that I had with Abraham because he should have gone to the Lord when she first approached him. There's nothing wrong with wife, having influence, having conversations with her husband, but he ought to be the one to consult the Lord about decisions, especially that major. And he should have had the final say, but he didn't. Guess why? Probably because Haggai was young and he felt like he was coming up. And his wife gave him approval, so he just gonna do that. How many of y'all have been stuck in marriages where your husband allowed you to do everything that you wanted to do so that when it messed up, he could turn around and blame you? (laughs) I ain't talking about what I heard. I'm talking about what I know about. Anyway, moving on. Don't want to digress because it's not about that. What it's about tonight is the fact that Abraham waited until stuff got all messed up. See, he didn't want his son, Ishmael, to leave. He loved him. He had had him, you know, there with him all these years. But because his wife told him to put the handmaid away, get rid of her, remove them from their camp, the son had to go too. He didn't like that idea very much. So at this time, he decides it might be the right time for me to pray. Well, even though you're late, God still hears you. But this time, Abraham didn't get the response that he wanted. He didn't get it swept under the rug and, and and him coming up. God told him, no, if she told you to put them away, that's what you do. I will make sure that she's taken care of. But you do exactly as your wife told you to do because you listened to her in the first place. So if you listened to her way back when... And you listen to her now, amen. Now, when I say submission breeds or brings about fruitfulness, it does. But the key here is you've got to be walking in the spirit. That means you've got to be connected with the Lord. Your flesh is never going to allow you to submit when somebody is wrong. But in this case, Abraham submitted himself unto the Lord and his wife's influence. Amen. Now, just to backtrack a little bit. Abraham wasn't the only one that submitted in this relationship. Early on, when they were still Sarai and Abram and God told Abraham to leave his home and start traveling, he ended up in Egypt. And when he got to Egypt, he recognized the fact that there were they were in a foreign land, and his wife was young and fair. In other words, she was beautiful to look at. And that he was susceptible to not only losing her to these Egyptians, but to being killed in the process. So what he did was, this is Abram now, he asked Sarai to lie. And to tell everyone that she was his sister. Now, that wasn't completely and totally a lie because back during those times, uh, people intermarried. And the fact of the matter is, Abraham and Sarai, Abram and Sarai were sister and brother. They were half-sister and brother, shared a father, different mothers. It wasn't until the book of Leviticus when decrees and laws changed. But before that, it was okay to intermarry. Well, he felt like by lying and not telling the whole truth that she was also his wife, it might save his life. The ruler at that time did look on Sarai as very beautiful, very fair, and he did pay a price for her. He paid a price for her and Abram allowed it. And so Sarai lifted up her eyes in the king's court, probably to become one of his concubine. (laughs) Huh. Sounds like pimping to me. Sounds like he basically pimped his wife. Well, let me tell you, Sarai escaped unscathed. What do I mean by that? God intervened to save the day. And that's the crust of what I want to get to tonight. Even when that person that you're married to is not right. Even when he or she is not walking in the spirit. If it is a covenant consecrated relationship, if you are praying and walking in the spirit, you can look to God from which comes all of your help. Now I know I said that quickly, but it means a lot in a marriage When that husband is not doing what he's supposed to do, you're not supposed to go to him and tell him what he is and what he is not. You're supposed to keep the posture of a saved wife and model what it looks like to be in the spirit before him. And then pray. Because can I tell you something? The prayers of the righteous availeth much. Your prayers go a long way, whether you recognize it or not, whether you see it right away or not. Stay close to the fire in difficult times. I just want to believe that Sarah was praying while she was in that king's court. I just want to believe that because God straight away came and got her, And it wasn't that Abram went back and confessed or anything. No, that king said something's not right. And he was the one who said, come get her. I don't know who she is. I don't know what you guys are trying to pull, but come get her. You can even keep the money that I paid you. Just get her and you guys get out of here. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Has the Lord ever done anything for you? You need to stop and praise him right now because I know I've been in some tough situations where I thought my back was up against the wall, where I had even been wrong and God came through for me just like he did, Sarah. Amen. So I wanted to bring that out, not playing tit for tat, but just to share the fact that in a marriage where two people make it, (laughs) because Abram... And Sarah made it through to their transition of becoming Abraham and Sarah and then off into old age. I mean, death did do them part. And so how did they succeed doing these backhanded, underhanded, wrong things to each other? They succeeded because they submitted when the time was necessary, not to each other, but they submitted to God. They submitted to God. I want you to let that resonate in your spirit for just a moment. In a marriage, you're not always going to be submitted to that person. But rather, you're submitted unto God. Why are you submitted unto God? You're submitted unto God because... It gets emotional right here because of what it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 30. It talks about Jesus being the bridegroom of the church. It talks about how we represent him. In the earth before man. See, God relies upon us to be His representative, His hands, His feet, because He's seated at the right hand of the Father. And Until he comes back again, we are his ambassadors. We are change agents here in the earth. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33, and I'll be ending for the day. Wives, be subject to your own husband's. As a service to the Lord. Remember I said, you're really not submitting to a man. God gave us all dominion over the creatures, over everything that creeps and crawls in the earth. But he never said another person has to submit to you. He asked us to submit to him. Amen. For the husband is head of the wife. As Christ is head of the church. Ladies and gentlemen, you might want to be 50-50 with your husband. But to me, anything with two heads is a monster. I don't want to serve his head right alongside my husband. I want to be protected. I want to be covered. I want him to tower over me. I want him to cover me. I want him to nourish me. And I wasn't like that always, but because I became familiar with this passage and I took it to heart. And that's why I'm closing and I want to share it with you because when you get this in your spirit and you etch it on your heart, you too will have a change of mind and your heart will soften toward the concept of submission. Let me keep reading for the husband is head of the wife as Christ is head of the church himself being savior of the body talking about Christ now. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives should be subject to their husbands in everything respecting both their position as protector and their responsibility to God as the head of the house. See, men out there that happen to be on the line tonight, you're not responsible to us. You are responsible to God to take care of his daughter. Amen. So even when she don't look like that figure eight no more, take care of the figure O. Because God looks at the inside as more important than the outside. I know that we all have a physical I know that we're all made up of a natural casing, but you need to recognize that it's your responsibility to God. Hallelujah. Want to keep reading. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Seek the highest good for her and surround her with a caring, unselfish love. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Sometimes you need to sacrifice for your wife. Sometimes you need to give up your wants, your needs, and your selfish desires for your wife. And ladies, let me rephrase that. Wives, because everybody's not a wife. If you're a wife or you want to be a wife... You're striving to be a wife. You're a wife in waiting. If you don't see those characteristics in a male, then you need to ask yourself the very serious question. Is this, in fact, my husband? Amen. Uh, Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Verse 26, so that he might sanctify the church. Having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word of God, so that in turn he might present the church to himself in a glorious splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she would be wholly set apart for God, and blameless. Even so, husbands should and are morally obligated to love their wives, their own wives, as being in a sense their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own body, but instead he nourishes and protects and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Ladies, wives, in waiting, and those of you who are married now, look for the characteristics that your husband nourishes, protects, and cherishes you. Make sure he does that. And if he doesn't, get into some good Bible-based counseling where the two of you can come together and learn these scriptures and how to apply them for your marriage. Verse 30, because we are members, parts of his body, for this reason, man shall leave his father and his mother, shall be joined and faithfully devoted to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery of two becoming one is great, but I am speaking with reference in relationship of Christ and the church. However, each man among you, without exception, is to love his wife as his very own self with behavior worthy of respect and esteem. If you've got someone in your life right now, you're dating, you're mating, you're interacting, you're in a situationship with a male, And all he does is down you and punches at your self-esteem. And when you leave him, you feel low enough to play handball with the curb. Then maybe that's not the guy for you. Because he needs to be seeking the best for you with an attitude of loving kindness. If you don't believe me, go back in your own private Bible study time and read this passage. Ephesians 5. 22 through 33, it actually says with an attitude of loving kindness and the wife must see to it because we've got obligations too, that she respects and delights herself in her husband. Not yourself, but in your husband, not your kids, but in your husband, that she notices him and prefers him. If your husband is not your preferred candidate, then you don't need to be with him. If you don't treat him with loving concern, if you don't treasure him and honor him and hold him dear, then perhaps that's not the person you need to be with. I'm not condoning divorce. I'm saying this. If you are a wife-in-waiting, you need to get this passage of scripture in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit. And you need to memorize it so that as you're dating, as you're meeting, as you're interviewing, as you're collecting data, you are checking off the boxes in the name of Jesus. Don't pick wrong. Because you don't want to be unequally yoked. I know what that feels like and it's not a good feeling. Once you get past the physical, you've got to be equally yoked in the spirit. And if you don't have a God-fearing man who seeks the Lord, then you might want to back up from the marriage the idea of being married to that person. Well, my time is up. I hope and pray that you've gotten something from today's talk on submission. What can I say about Sarah and Abraham? They made it. They not only made it in their marriage, God fulfilled his promises because they stayed the course, even through the tough times, even when they let each other down. They stayed the course and God honored that covenant relationship. So for me, (laughs) I know that there is fruitfulness in submission. Until the next time, the Lord loves you and I do too. Take care.